Good morning. These songs this morning are songs of commitment, songs of prayer. So just don't sing them. Some of y'all grew up on some of these songs. It's like this first one. But let it be a song of commitment as you sing it to the Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let me move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy love.
This morning we have the opportunity to come before the Lord not only with singing and to look at his word, but also in a time of prayer. Uh, I don't have to tell you we live in strange and tumultuous times, and some weeks ago when we were planning the events of this fall, we had designated November 22nd to be a time of prayer as we go into Thanksgiving. None of us knew that the events of the week preceding would be so terribly terroristic and tumultuous. Today, you well know, and I well know, that in recent days, we've seen three major terrorist attacks in the city of Paris and Mali and Cameroon, just outside of Nigeria, just across the border from Nigeria. All of those involve people willing to blow themselves up to kill people. Uh, churches meet for the purpose of offering life and help. Terrorists look for opportunities to plan on how they can destroy. And we know the author of destruction. The Bible says of Satan, he's a liar. And the father of lies and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you see that activity, you don't have to wonder the source. The source is the evil one. We've not only seen that, we've seen racial tensions in our country increase. I'm a child of the 60s. I remember when there was great racial tension. I remember when there were citywide demonstrations and bombings and horrible things. Sadly, I think we're almost back to that level where there's so much tension between races, and that's tragic that's cause for prayer. Only Christ can make people one. We don't have one background in this room. There are all kinds of backgrounds, and some of you from even different nationalities or countries. You're, certainly your grandparents or parent, great-grandparents were, and yet you've come together under one ideal of freedom, and you came to the cross of Jesus, and he set you free from bondage, and you were able to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then in turn love your neighbor as yourself. And so the answer for racial strife is not found in political solutions. It's found when people come to know Christ and call on him as Lord. We've watched as our military is not only battling the enemy outside, but I don't, I don't know what you read, but if you read any news sources at all, the threat today to American military soldiers that are men is not always outside in the warfare, but it's inside the barracks where the rate of men being attacked by gay men is on the rise higher than it's ever been. It's because our present leadership is determined to make our military a social experiment with transgender soldiers and gay soldiers in the military and the outcome is not working well. We need to pray for our military. If we're gonna send them to do a job to protect us, they need to worry about the enemy outside, not the person in the bunk next to them. We need to pray for their, for their families in just a few hours, few days, you're going to gather with your family around a table and you'll be thrilled to see them come in and eat and visit and talk and laugh. But some this, this year, again, will have somebody not at the table because they're serving in the military at a distant point. They would give anything at all for a husband or spouse, a wife, or their son or their daughter or their daddy or their mama to be home at the table with them. Surely we as a church ought to be people of prayer for those who are defending us and for their families. We need to pray for this nation morally. For the truth is, and you've been watching the news, more and more there's the movement to shush and to stop religious liberty. Now please hear me. Today's media so often says you have the freedom to worship. That is not true. You do have that freedom. But then they have that in communist China. I've been there. 
They had it in Russia before the Iron Curtain fell, and that's what they told their people. You have the freedom here to worship. When we arrived in China, those giving us the PR points of communist China said, we have freedom in this country to worship. That is a communist statement, not a free people statement. What does that mean? In the confines of these walls, you can do anything you want to, but don't you dare take your faith outside that door. That is not what the First Amendment grants to you. By the Constitution of the United States and forefathers who were weary of tyranny's restrictions, we have the right for the free exercise of religion by the Constitution of the United States and the First Amendment and given that by an almighty God who rules the nations and rules the hearts of the people. So listen, I hope you're salty enough you make every lost person grimace. I hope every time you come up against a pocket of sinful infection, people kind of jump back and say, oh, that hurts. I praise God. I hope it does. And when the light of God is so bright in you that you come into a job site or into a home or into a, 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 into a relationship with friends and they are without Christ, I pray the light of Christ through you makes them feel like, you know, I just don't know that I, I, I've got to take a little time and get away and kind of think about what you've been saying. I hope today we pray for salt and saltiness. And I pray we'll pray for light and its brightness. And I pray as we do that, we pray for a nation that's desperately dark and desperately bland and being buried in sin. And listen, when it gets dark, you don't blame the night. You say, what in the world happened to our power? The lights are off. When you go home, if your wife or or you put something in a crock pot to cook and you put salt in it, when you get home, you'll know if you remembered to put salt in it or you meant to. If society has salt in it, they're going to know salt is present. If in a darkness there, is point, there are points of light that are radiant, you don't have to wonder what's wrong with the power of the nation. The power of the nation is strong because the light of God is bright. That's the call of God. And so today we're going to talk about the need for us to be prayer and people of prayer. And in a moment, that's what we're going to do. Where, where would a pastor go to find folks to pray if not an 11 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning in the church? Where are you going to go? Do I go to a news station and, and put out a plea, a 30-second ad? I want to ask all you people to pray. Much of Tulsa doesn't even know Jesus. But the Bible says you and I are priests unto God. A chosen nation, a royal priesthood, royal priest got to go into the presence of the king and take the petitions of the king to the Lord God. Priests were not preachers. Prophets were preachers. Prophets told God's word to the people, but priests were at the temple taking the request of the people and interceding and lifting those to God. The Bible says you and I are priests unto God. And so today, if we're asking who's praying, that ought to be a duh question when asking the church. But the sad thing is, so much the church talks about it and thinks about it, studies it, but not always proficient in the doing of it. Bible teaches us we ought always to pray. Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray. That's not gender, that means people. People ought always to pray. And so this morning, in a few moments, that's what we're going to do. But it's possible that you say, Brother Nick, I'm not in any condition to pray. Well, then pray for yourself. Priests would not dare go before God to pray for Israel until first they'd offered a sacrifice for their own sin. You can't come to God if you don't have clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 66, 18 says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, God said, I will not hear you. 
So, so what you have to first say is, am I in condition that I can go pray for anybody? And if not, then draw a circle around you and say, God, it's me. So first of all, it means we get our own hearts right. Secondly, it means that we go before God because it's urgent. We're not going today because they say, well, you know, we're, we're hurting a little bit, so we've lost some jobs, and we've got some people that are sick, and all that's true. Our nation is in tragic condition. And if we're not desperate enough to pray, then we're in trouble because, frankly, you, like I do, I listen to the evening news, and I so often feel like, well, what can I do to help international tensions? What, what, what can I really do to solve racial tension? What, what can I do to help global hunger? Well, I can give, but there's a second thing I'm granted access. I can go into the presence of God 24-7, 365 days a year as a priest unto God. And until I've done that, I've done not even my, my elementary assignment. So going before God in prayer is not a tangent issue. It is the issue. And so in a moment, that's what we're going to do. We're going to call on God and ask him to help us. This morning, you're going to need a Bible. If you're worshiping via live stream, please get your Bible. If you're in the room and you don't have a Bible, please scoot over next to somebody and say, may I look on with you? If you see somebody next to you who doesn't have a Bible, scoot over and share yours. Today, I'm going to read a lengthy text. And so if you don't have a Bible, you're going to get lost in the verbiage. I want you to be able to see the Scripture. I'm going to want you to turn to Nehemiah, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. We're going to look at chapter 9. I'm not going to read it all to you, but I'm going to hit excerpts as we prepare to go before God in prayer. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah 9. I'm going to begin in verse 5 and keep your Bible open because I'm going to skip in the early stage of this chapter. Just hit some highlights. And then we'll get down in the latter part of the chapter and I'm going to go word by word. Look with me Nehemiah 9. Nehemiah 9 beginning in verse 5. Stand up. It says, stand up. Bless the Lord your God. So the call to God is to come into His presence Standing before God, ready to meet God in prayer. Bless the Lord your God. Nehemiah 9.5 From everlasting to everlasting, praise your glorious name. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You created the heavens, the highest heavens, all their hosts, the earth and all that's on it. The seas and all that's in them. You gave li give life to all of them and a heavenly host, all the angels, worship you. You are the Lord God. Now he's going to begin to list things that God has done. You're the Lord God who chose Abram. In other words, when we needed, and these are Israelites praying, when we needed somebody to form a nation, you chose one man, Abram, to become the father of our nation. Verse 9, you saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt. God, when we were struggling in chains and slavery for 400 years in Egypt, you saw that, you wanted to help us. Verse 16, but there's a problem. Our ancestors acted arrogantly. Can I just put there and said ancestors? Just put we. We've seen all the blessings of God for 240 years. And we've forgotten God. It says we, could, if I could just say verse 16, we acted arrogantly. We became stiff-necked. We did not listen to your command. Look at verse 20. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and, they, and you did not withhold your manna, meaning in the wilderness. You gave them manna from their, uh, for their mouths. You gave them water for their thirst. You provided for them in the wilderness 40 years. They lacked nothing in 40 years. Their clothes did not wear out. And look at this. Their feet did not swell. Is that not amazing? How many of you got a pair of sandals that are 40 years old? I didn't think so. How many of you stand on your feet for eight hours and can't wait to get your shoes off because your feet are killing you? 
Bible says they walked in the wilderness 40 years and their feet didn't swell. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. Look at verse 22. When they entered the land of promise, you gave them kingdoms. Verse 23, you multiplied their descendants. So you did exactly what you said. You made them a nation. But look at verse 25. When, they, when, they, when Israel entered the land. Now pause just a minute. Let me ask one question before we read this. How many of you here were in the founding of this country? Let's see your hands. Good, you're honest. How many of you here would say we inherited a great blessing? How many of you here would say, thank God we inherited freedom from our forefathers? We inherited a land of plenty. In America, we don't worry about finding something to eat. We weren't worried about eating too much and getting too big. In America, you drove today in a car on a paved street with good gasoline to get you to and from. They have heaters within them so that you don't have to get too cold. You can pull up the door of a church and scoot out and walk in where it's heated and air-conditioned. You're not sitting on a dirt floor in a thatched roof. You don't have to worry today about the winds being too chilly for you. You are cared for by God. Even your seat is cushioned because we don't dare want you to struggle. How many of you got up and gave God thanks today for life? Those two eyes that see all the colors of the fall... How much do you thank God that they're not black and white? When you sat down yesterday or last night, went out on a date or wherever you were and sat down to a good meal, how many of you thank God for taste buds? How many of you thank God that this week you're likely going to get to be with family or friends and a table filled with food and by Friday you'll be saying, please get that out of here. What's wrong with America is we've been given so much, but we've forgotten. Now look with me in verse 23. When Israel entered the land of promise, they were given captured, they were able to capture fortified cities, fertile land, took possessions of well-supplied houses, rock-hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. They ate and were filled, became prosperous and delighted in God's great goodness. But, uh-oh. After they got everything they could get from God, uh-oh. Verse 26 is a major pothole. Can I change the they to we? Verse 26, we were disobedient. We rebelled against you. We flung your law behind our backs. We killed the preachers who wanted to turn them back to you. What, what happens to pastors today who still stand for biblical truth? Boy, you're a narrow-minded hate monger. You're a bigot. <laughs> I didn't leave my country. My country left me. I still stand for the God I stood for at, at 9, 8 when I was saved, 13 when I was called to preach, 19 when I was ordained. I'm still preaching out of the same book. And in those days, God's people would say amen and the community respected us. And today, God's people don't say amen and the community despises us. I didn't move. But our country sure has shifted. Verse 26, we were disobedient, we rebelled against you. We flung your law behind our backs. We mutilated and killed the prophets who warned us to turn back to you. But the problem is the people committed terrible blasphemy, so you handed them over to our enemies who oppressed them. And in their time of distress, we cried out to you and you heard us from heaven. And in your abundant compassion, you gave us deliverers who rescued us from the power of our enemies. Uh-oh, verse 28, another, another pothole. 
As soon as they had relief, they again did what was evil in your sight. Isn't that true? The minute the crisis passes, back to normal. You remember the Sunday after 9-11 when we had to put chairs in here, two services? Because everybody was afraid that we're going to die. When we didn't die in a week, two weeks, everybody said, oh, it's okay. We can go back to normal. Didn't we? Has God been good to deliver us? Have we been faithful to be grateful? Verse 28, as soon as they had relief, they did again what was evil in your sight. So you abandon, oh my. You abandon them, the power of their enemies who dominated them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and you rescued them many times in your compassion. You warned them to turn back to your law, but they acted with arrogance and they didn't obey your commandments. They sinned against your ordinances by which a person will live if he does them. They stubbornly resisted. They stiffened their necks. They would not obey. You were patient with them for many years. Oh my. Your spirit warned them through your prophets, but they didn't listen. Therefore, God, you handed them over to the surrounding peoples. However, even in that moment, you were abundantly compassionate. You didn't destroy us. You didn't abandon us. For you are gracious and a compassionate God. Verse 33. You're righteous concerning all that has come on us. Now look at this verse. God, you're righteous on everything we've experienced. We can't say God was bad to us. We have been unfaithful to God. You're righteous. You're righteous concerning all that's come on us. You've acted faithfully. We acted wickedly. Our leaders, our kings, and our leaders, our priests, our ancestors, they haven't obeyed your law or listened to your commandments and to the warnings you gave them. When they came into their kingdom with your abundant goodness that you gave to us in the spacious and fertile land you gave before us, you set before us, we didn't serve you. We turned to our wicked ways. Here we are today in bondage in the very land you gave us so that they could enjoy its fruit and its goodness. Here we are, slaves in it. Look at the last phrase of verse 37. God, we're in great distress. We are, you know. And so what are you going to do? This morning, I'm going to call on you to go before God in prayer. I don't have a plan B. Sometimes people say, well, what can we do? Well, the question is, what have we done? See, God doesn't expect me to change the nations. He expects me to call on Him in prayer. He doesn't expect me to to change all the world hunger. He expects for me to call on God in prayer and then do what I can through giving to affect that. He doesn't expect me to change every heart, just those I come in contact with, at least care enough to pray for them and, and share with them. And you say, well, when you talk about praying for the sins of the church, what do you mean? Well, let's just take a few. The Bible says pray without ceasing. How would you grade yourself as a member of the church in prayer without ceasing? A. B. See, the Bible says we're to give as was given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Did, did you come this morning coming to give God something or coming to take? A, B, C, D, F. The Bible says we're to be bold in witnesses. The Bible says after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you will be my witnesses. How many of you brought a lost friend with you today? Let's see. 
Would you say we're sinful or just negligent or both? See, it's hard for me to pray for the world when it's the church. And it's even more than that, it's me. And so as we get ready to go before God, we need to pray for the sins of churches and pastors and lay leaders who are elected. Some as deacons, some as teachers, some as servants in musical ministry and missions. And say, have we really done what God gave us to do or we just hold a title? We need to pray for pastors and leaders and we need to pray for the membership of the churches in this nation and around the world. We need to call on God to forgive us and to empower us and to convict us of our sin. We need to beg God to move us and our nation back to righteousness. We need to pray for God to destroy the works of Satan. Whenever you see killing and stealing and destruction, that's satanic. We know, we know the God who defeats Satan. Surely we ought to call on him. And then we want to pray for those that are standing against terrorism on every front. In every one of the terrorist bombings that have occurred in any time this year, in recent years, every one of them, they hollered, Allah, Allah, Akbar! Allah is great! There is a great God, but His name not Allah. His name is the I am that I am. I have always been, I will always be. My name is Yahweh, the God of glory, the God of the heavens, the God of eternity, the God of redemption who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die and pay a sin penalty too great for us. And yet He did it freely that we might know Him. And He sealed us with His Holy Spirit against the day of redemption. Surely, we as the people of God, if a pastor wanted to call on a people to pray, would it not be the church? And should we not, like soldiers of the cross, literally do what God said, put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the helmet of salvation, so that in the evil day, having done all, we stand, and that we should stand against that which is evil. Is that not the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ? And have we been so long blessed and so greatly prospered by the hand of God that we've forgotten that He is a sovereign, righteous judge who will destroy all evil and come to stand in the latter day upon the earth to call those who have been faithful to Him to come to His camp where He will tabernacle with them forever. Who would a pastor call on to pray if not the people of God? And some say, well, Brother Nick, I don't feel comfortable praying out loud. Then pray silently. You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the people in your circle. God knows the number of hairs of your head. The only way you can be rebellious today is just not pray at all. Unless you say, Brother Nick, I'm not a Christian. Then here's what I want you to pray. I want you to come right down here. When everybody else is forming circles to pray, you say, I'm not a Christian. You come down here and one of us will talk to you, your lady, and say, well, I'm not a Christian, but I don't feel comfortable. I've asked Rocky Nasser, our new director of women's ministry, to be here in the front in the altar to pray with ladies who may say, I'd love to pray with a lady, but I don't feel comfortable talking to a man. We have a lady for ladies. We have men for families. 
we have men for individuals. If you say, I just want to pray, I don't care the gender, I just want to pray. And I need somebody to pray for me about a specific need I want to share in the group. I meant the pastors are going to be here, Rocky will be here. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And the only way you can fail is just to rebel. I pray you won't rebel. We're going to get in groups about four or six. I want you to start by telling your name, first name to each person. And I'd like for somebody in every one of those groups to pray. You say, what do we pray for? The things we shared. I think there's going to be a prompt on the screen that lists some of those to remind you. And you pray for these things. And you begin, first of all, in the quietness of your heart to say, God, forgive me. I, I can't pray for somebody else till you clean me up. I can't come into your presence unless I have clean hands and a pure heart. But once you've prepared your heart, then surely, surely today in this place and from this place, the people of God ought to enter before God as intercessors. So I want you to stand no bigger than groups of six because you won't be able to hear each other pray. Introduce yourself to the folks around you by first name if you don't know them. And I'm going to ask you to circle and pray. When you hear Brother Kevin began to play songs and sing, that means this prayer session is concluded and we'll go to the next one, all right? You pray till Brother Kevin begins to sing.
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing it together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ Oh, 
portion that we're going to do now is celebrative. We've gone before God and the good news is he promised he would hear us and when we pray we have every confidence he does hear us and that he'll provide the grace to meet our needs. That's why we pray and so now that the issue, the petitions have been lifted and our hearts open to God, now we do what the Bible says all children of God should do when we come before our Heavenly Father and that is give thanks We're going to do that Thursday as a nation. We're one of the few nations in the world ever that gather together in the fall of the year not to celebrate a good harvest, although we've done that many a year, but that is the reason for thanks. But we celebrate the fact that God of glory decided to be our God and made us a nation. He's called us from the ends of the earth to form a nation, not because we're one tribe and people. We're from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. But we came to experience something that was a divine gift of God called freedom. And we've enjoyed that freedom and liberty. And we give thanks to God today for all that he's done for us. And so rather than hearing a preacher say what he's done for us, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms. And I'm going to look at Psalm 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, parts of. You'll be glad I'm not reading all of those. But you need your Bible open because I want you to catch the feel and the impact of the psalmist writing on how we ought to enter God's presence with thanksgiving. I want to be more than a holiday this year. I want to be an act of thanks. And if we start that way on Sunday, surely it ought to permeate our hearts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and when we gather on Thursday. Look with me. Psalm 95. You need your Bible open. I'm going to read excerpts. We're going to begin in verse 1 of Psalm 95. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. When's the last time you shouted in church? It's been a long time, I can tell. Uh, that shout needs a little steroid, I can tell you. Now here, the Bible says, look, shout. If, if, you, if you were to just shout, reckon what happened to Baptist Church. Well, the folks around you would probably, you know, swoon, you know. But let's try, let's try today to listen to the Word of God, and then we might just shout in there somewhere. Look what it says. Come, let us swat. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of his salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout. Do you pick up a theme here? Let us shout triumphantly to God in song. Why? The Lord is a great God. He's the great king above all gods. The depths of all the earth are in his hand. Stop. That, that thrills me. It says the depths of the earth are in his hand. Do you know he's got that old adage, he's got the whole world in his hands? Do you know the Milky Way galaxy is a million light years in diameter? And it says he just holds that in the palm of his hand. <laughs> Woo, we got a big God. Shout, we got a big God. Yes, we, we do, we do. And so the Bible says this is why we come into his presence. He's the king above all gods. The depths in verse 4 of the earth are in his hand. The mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. He's our God. We are his people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all people. For the Lord is great and highly to be praised. He is feared above all gods. Verse 11. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice to the sea and all that fills the sea resound. Let the fields and everything in them exult. 
Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord. For he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with faithfulness. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coasts and islands be glad. Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord. He has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. Verse 4, shout to the Lord. Do you pick up a theme here? Are y'all listening at all? Shout to the Lord. Listen, shout to the Lord all the earth. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and all those that live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord for his coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the people's fairly. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the people. Let them praise his great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his footstool. Verse 8, Lord our God, you answered all the needs. You were a God who forgave them and punishes their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. In Psalm 100 is my sermon at 5 o'clock. Isn't that good? I thought so myself. That's what I want to do. Listen, how can you read that and say, that's okay, that's all right. That's like watching one of your favorite teams score the winning touchdown. You say, that's good, let's go home. That's good, that's good. Shout to the Lord, he's good. When's the last time you just got happy in Jesus? When's the last time you just had a shouting spell because God's blessing upon your life was so great? When's the last time your heart was so full with the goodness of God, your mouth could not be silent, your feet could not be still, your hands could not stay at your side, your lips had to proclaim His greatness, your mind was filled with His thoughts, your heart was sloshing when you walked because you're so full with the glory of our great God. Listen, it is not Allah Akbar. It is our Lord God reigns and he doesn't reign for a week he doesn't reign for a month he's gonna reign forever some, some you know we the bible said listen i didn't ask you to shout shout here ushers may take you out i don't know but i'll tell you told you to shout god almighty it doesn't just mean shout because you you know got a little moment it means you're so aware of the goodness of god that you wouldn't dare come in his presence silent. Tonight, 5 o'clock, I'm going to begin with these words, Psalm 100. Come before the Lord, all ye lands. Come into his presence with singing. Know the Lord, he is God. He's the one that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, and they're sheep of his pasture. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving. That's what we're going to do all week. Come into his courts with praise. For our God, he's good. His mercy is everlasting. And you know what? His truth endures for all generations. 
Surely we ought to just give thanks. Don't you think we ought to just leave with a happy heart? Now, here's what we're going to do. I want you to get in those circles of four or five. We're not going to take long because we about shouted our way through Psalms and it's about time to go. So stand up. I want you to just think of something you can praise God for in a group. Just pray in about five minutes. Kevin's going to sing us, start singing. We're going to bring the service to a close. Just get in those groups. Pray a word of thanks unto God. Let your hearts be filled with praise. And in a moment, Kevin's going to start singing. And we'll wrap up the service. Pray, pray right now, would you? In your groups.
I, I love I love hearing the voices of God's people sing, but I love to hear you sing those songs about needing the Lord. We do, you know. Thank you for being here this morning. There's a sweet presence of God in this place. When you call upon the Lord, He's not way out there somewhere. He is near. And if you know Jesus, His Holy Spirit's made your body a temple of God and dwelt by Him, sealed until the day of redemption. This morning, it may be that there's someone here, and we have them many times in services, so we have a blessed, have a marvelous family join this morning. We had a, a little boy come and profess faith in Jesus, a sweet senior lady come and say, I want to make this my church home. It may be today you came to this hour and you say, Pastor, my whole family's here. We were going to join today. Great. We're going to sing a song in a minute and give you that chance. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, I, I prayed to receive Christ, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to share with the church. Well, you come today, our pastors will be here, and you'll have a chance to tell them, and we'll tell the church in a minute. Maybe somebody said, I've been, I've been saved, Brother Nick, but I've never been baptized. Boy, today would be a good day. Now we're in the presence of God to say, I'm not going to resist you. Father, I'm going to come today and give my life this Thanksgiving to Jesus. I'm going to give it to you in salvation. If you're not a Christian, you ought to come today. I, I'm a Christian, but I've never been baptized. You ought to say, Lord, I'm not going to hold back this Thanksgiving. I want to give you praise for all you've done. I'm going to give my life to you in faithful obedience, starting with baptism. Some of you say, I don't have a church home. You ought to come. Some of you here say, I, I just have a prayer need, and I didn't feel free to share it in my circle. Well, the pastors will be here. You can come talk to a pastor, but... In recent days, I've been made aware that ladies many times have struggled through the years with uh, either an abusive daddy or maybe an abusive husband, God forbid, or somebody in their life makes them uncomfortable opening up with a man. Rocky Nasser is a gracious lady who's come to be director of women's ministry for us. And I've asked her if she'd just be here for ladies. Sometimes ladies say, I just feel more comfortable talking to a lady. You don't have to have baggage in the past. You say, I just prefer talking to a lady. Well... We want to make that available. So Rocky will be here. Pastors will be here. We're going to sing a simple song of faith. If you need to do something for Jesus, you know it. Don't resist him. In spirit of thanksgiving, surrender your life to him. Father, it's our privilege now to come into your presence truly with thanksgiving. And our lives open before you to do with us as you choose. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so I pray today we'll be faithful and obedient to do what God Almighty calls us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to sing this song of faith. You need to come. The altar's open. Pastors are here for you. Come. Sing it together. Sing it. It's a great song. Sing it.